Psalmist David says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. And We just sang a lot about that here in the last few minutes. That's wonderful. Um, normally when we go to Psalm 100, we're at a point in the year where we're thinking about Thanksgiving. We're thinking about um, we're maybe at a community-wide Thanksgiving service or we're in a sermon series leading up to Thanksgiving and normally we will hear a sermon from Psalm 100 about the, uh, being thankful and having gratitude um, toward God for all that He has done for us. But this morning as we are approaching the Easter season, as we will um, in about a month celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we'll begin to probably uh, work our way toward that beginning next Sunday in a sermon series. I wanted us to think, think about how much we have to be grateful for as we approach that time of year. We live in a day in which ingratitude is the norm and Thanksgiving is limited to a holiday with a parade, football games, and turkey with all the trimmings. But here we look at this psalm of thanksgiving. And this psalm is written to restore to us a spirit of gratitude to the Lord. And with it, a sense of generosity and humility as we look at these words. Now we see right away from David's writing here, from what he says, that ingratitude is a universal problem. Because this psalm is addressed to all races of people, the world over, and across all ages of life. Psalm 100 does this for us. It lets, it lets us know that God expects us to recognize who we are relative to who He is. He expects us to recognize who we are relative to who He is. We should be a reflection of of who He is. I wrote a 4,000 word essay this week on the theology of Imago Dei, which means the image of God. And as I was writing that and, 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 and thinking about it, how we as a people are supposed to be a complete reflection of who God is. God's character, His attributes, His holiness, His righteousness, and when we go in a different way and we invert that reflection, then we become idolaters looking at this world for the satisfaction that we can only find in God in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So God expects us to recognize who we are relative to who He is. He expects us to respond to His works with enthusiasm and to offer a reply of thanksgiving. So let's look first at the recognition here of who God is. In verse number 3, David said this, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us. We are His. 
Have you ever heard someone say this phrase, I'm a self-made man? You ever heard anybody tell you that they're a self-made man or a self-made woman? Some of you are old enough to remember Frank Sinatra's great song from probably back in the late 40s or early 50s. I did it my way. Elvis came back in the 70s and, and redid it, and he's saying, I did it my way. There are a lot of people in this world today who will tell you that they did it their way. They accomplished what they accomplished, and they are who they are uh, on their own. Uh, but this figure of speech of being doing it my way or being a self-made man contributes to our ingratitude. Bragging and ingratitude go hand in hand. You ever been around anybody who bragged? Oh, man. When I was a kid, I had two friends. One of them loved to brag about how much he paid for something. And he would, he, would, he would brag about how much he paid for a certain thing that he got. And I had another friend who, on the other hand, would brag about the deal he got. And I couldn't stand to hear either one of them talk about it. Because they were bragging. And, and what I realized is, is that either one of them, the one who felt like he had to brag about how much he paid and the one who had to brag about how much he saved, neither one of them were really grateful for what they had. Um, bragging is a, a, a sure sign of a person being ungrateful. And in our lives, even as believers, we know that our sinful flesh, this world, and Satan would have us to be arrogant enough to believe that we really are self-made with no need to give thanks to anyone else that we really have accomplished things on our own, and that we don't have to give thanks to anyone, even God. The Scriptures tell us that we are wondrously and marvelously made, but we're certainly not self-made. Even what we have accomplished in our professional lives, even those things are gifts and blessings from God. Paul told Timothy in Timothy chapter uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 he said he reminded him to tell people they are to do good to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share he said before that as for the rich in this present age charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Paul's telling Timothy, admonish people not to put their faith and trust in the things that they can accumulate for themselves, but to put their faith and trust into the One who is going to provide for them no matter what. David says here uh, in the middle of this psalm, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We belong to God. On Wednesday evenings, we're looking at Psalm 23, and this past Wednesday evening, we looked at the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. David said, I belong to the Lord God Jehovah, the God of Israel, and, and I belong to Him. And I want not only to let you know that, but I want to brag about the fact, and I want to boast about the fact that I am nothing in my own power, but I'm everything because... I am His. Psalm 8 and verse 5 tells us that God made us a little lower than the angels and He crowned us with glory and honor. 
We are uniquely unique. We are the crown of His creation. He created us to be different than everything else because He made us in His image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in His image and in His likeness. And we must acknowledge that. Now listen, it's not enough to just acknowledge Him as Savior, but we need to acknowledge Him as our Lord. Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. He said, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. When we live this way, we're acknowledging that not only is Jesus our Savior, but He is our Lord. And he, we belong to Him, and He is our Lord, and we owe everything to Him. Paul said in Romans 8.29 that Jesus is constantly wanting to conform us to His image, to be more like Christ. So when we recognize God's deity, His sovereignty, and His creation, then we know that we recognize and it will give us cause to thank Him greatly. So we recognize and then we respond. Look at what David said in verses 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Has anybody ever walked up on you while you were singing but you didn't know it? That happened to me not long ago. We have an, I think I told you all this a few Sundays ago maybe, but we have an outbuilding out back and there's 21 years worth of I don't know what to do with this, so we take it to that building and we shove it in there. And so one Sunday afternoon, I'm in that building and I'm trying to clean it out and taking stuff to the, to back and forth to the road for, for a trash pickup. Well, I have my headphones in and I have a, a playlist going and I'm in that building, and I'm just singing my heart out. And it, I, I mean, to me it was beautiful. Because in my ears, I, I got the earbuds in, I can't hear it. So I'm singing, I'm singing, and it, it's, I'm just going at it. And all of a sudden I hear this knock on the side of the building, and it shocks me. And I look, and my, my neighbor, Jason Bass, has walked down, he and his son Alec, and they're looking in, and, I, and he has this look on his face like, I thought somebody was being murdered here, and I wanted to come check on them. But, you know, I'm, 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 I'm alone, and I'm just singing. When I'm in the car by myself, and I'm going down the road, I'm just singing my heart out. Um, I'm just singing as loud as I can. I didn't realize it one time, but uh, Bryson and Mason Moham were in the back seat, and they were recording me singing. And they were just, I mean, I knew they were laughing real hard. And I, didn't know, I didn't know why. But then I realized they were recording my voice. One morning, Grayson and I are headed to a baseball tournament. And I'm, I don't realize it, but I'm singing along with the radio. And Grayson says to me, Daddy, you got to stop. And I said, why? And he said, it's awful. I said, but Grayson, I'm singing from my heart. And he said, yeah, but I'm hearing with my ears. But we sing, we sing because we're happy. 
The old song says, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm glad. That's how we ought to respond to God. We ought to respond and we ought to sing as if He is our only audience. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as if you're working for the Lord and not for man. We sing because we're happy. Involuntarily, we just begin to sing because we're happy. Because God has done some great things for us and we shouldn't be quiet about it. Think about what God's done for you in your life. I think primarily just of God's grace to me. God's graciousness in allowing me to be alive this morning. You see, without the grace of God this morning, best case scenario in my life, apart from Jesus, is, is that somewhere on a Sunday morning, I'm waking up alone, been on a drinking binge for days, and my first thought as I wake up on a Sunday morning would be getting to a convenience store, and getting a 12-pack to get me to tomorrow. And then beginning the process all over again. That's best case scenario without Jesus. Worst case scenario is that there's a plot up on Highlands where I would probably be, apart from the grace of God. Best case scenario is my mom and dad would be at a church somewhere asking people to pray for me because of the life that I live and the, and, the, and the way that I live and who I am and how I am apart from God. Worst case scenario is that they would be tending to a cemetery plot because of my life apart from Jesus. But I want to tell you this morning, I'm alive and I'm well and I'm preaching the gospel and I'm here and I intend to preach it until my dying breath. And I intend to tell people as often as I can I intend to tell people as often as I can that I'm here by the grace of God. That, I am, that I'm able to stand in a pulpit because of God's calling on my life. That I'm able to, that, that this morning I have a family that I would have never had apart from Jesus. That, I, that I'm not stuck in a dead-end job somewhere miserable and, and heartbroken every day but I followed the call of God on my life and I'm able to live what is a great journey and an adventure because I surrendered to Him. So this morning, if I bust out singing, it's not going to sound good to any of you, but it's going to be beautiful to Jesus. But I think about God's goodness and how it should cause us just to involuntary sing. Not just a quiet hum, but a loud, boisterous singing. I think about my grandmother, my mother's mother. My, 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 I called her my Mama Mark. And all my life, what I remember about her, one of the things that sticks out to me, my grandmother had the cleanest house that I've ever been in. And she was constantly, she was either cooking or cleaning, and the whole time that she was doing that, she was humming. She was humming a hymn. She was humming, um, Love Lifted Me, or The Old Rugged Cross, or, or she was just constantly humming. Now, my grandmother was hard. My grandmother could be one of the hardest talking people that you ever want to be around. 
She'd talk to you and you'd go in another room with tears in your eyes. But what I realized is my grandmother grew up very hard. And that's why she was that way. My grandmother was born right before the beginning of World War I. Her, her, her first memories that she ever told me about was of a worldwide flu epidemic where she knew people in her, in her uh, she lived in Rabbit Town in the old Pink Burns cabin there. And her first memories that she ever shared with me was of knowing when she was four years old that people all around her were dying from a flu epidemic. Those were her first memories. She left that place in Rabbit Town, moved to Frogtown, in, in Jacksonville, went to work as a young girl, as a school-aged girl, probably middle school age, in the cotton mill in Jacksonville. Hard labor, hard work. Went from there to the Great Depression, married my grandfather, we lived through the Great Depression, had a brother-in-law who died in the Sea of Japan in World War II, raised six children. My grandfather had accumulated wealth he gave up all that wealth to go into the ministry. And she raised six children on a minister's wage. And did all those things. But every day that I was around her, she was humming praise to the Lord. Because here's what she knew in her life. She knew that apart from Jesus, her life wouldn't have been even nearly that good it would have been a whole lot harder. So she constantly went around humming and singing praise to the Lord. And it reminds me of Romans 8.18 where Paul told the church at Rome, I reckon that the suffering of this present age is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You see, today, her soul is in the presence of the Lord and she's not just humming praises to the Lord. She's able to sing praises in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we go about this world and as we go about this life, respond often by praising Him. Praise Him through your singing. Praise Him, uh, if anybody's within earshot of you, praise Him responsively and let them know what Jesus has done for your life. Especially when we come to the house of worship. We should respond. Worship is not a spectator sport. It is participatory. Come into His presence with thanksgiving in your heart and enthusiastic praise on your lips because He's worthy of our praise. Don't drag yourself out of bed thinking that, you, well, i got to go to church this morning. Jump out of bed because you have the opportunity to go to church. Come with enthusiasm in your life and sing with the joy of the Lord in your heart because He's your strength. Serve the Lord and others with a smile on your face. This past week, I've had conversations with two or three of you about a servant of the Lord who um, left us in the last week, and that was Mr. Norman Jones. And, we, and in talking, we talked about how he always was cheerful. When I would see Mr. Norman on Wednesday evenings, he'd be sitting here in the, uh, in the church waiting on Miss Margaret to get out of choir practice, and I would open the door to speak to him. He made me feel like he was happy to see me. 
He'd say, come in here, young fellow, and let's talk. I would see him in the kitchen. Miss Margaret would have all kinds of things going on, working with the Sunshine Club or bereavement meals, and there'd be Mr. Norman with an apron on, working and, and doing whatever needed to be done, and always cheerful with a smile on his face. Always happy about the fact that he had the opportunity not only to serve the Lord, but to serve the Lord's people through his local church. We all ought to have that attitude that we have the opportunity to cheerfully and, and thankfully serve each other, and we should be willing to serve, and we ought to be encouraging other people. So respond. When you realize and recognize who God is in your life, then respond and then reply. Look at verse number 4. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. Have you ever given something to someone and waited for a reply, but none was given? You ever given somebody something, a gift, or, or, and, and you give it to them, and you're waiting on that thank you, but it never comes? Y'all don't have children? You give that gift, and, 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 and you're all excited about giving the gift, and they're just staring back at you like, oh, man, it's a gift, but there's no thank you that comes with it. How often do you think that God, how often do you think that God is left expecting a reply from us, but none is given? How often do you think that God, in His longing to have communion and fellowship with us, is just waiting on us at some point during the day just to stop and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, just that, just that I was able to wake up this morning, that I was able to get out of bed, that I was able to work, or I was able to go to school, or I was able, thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for me. It ought to be constantly on our hearts to reply in the way that David is talking about. Unlike singing, which can be an involuntary res response, sometimes we're just so glad that we will begin singing Thanksgiving should be a non-negotiable, deliberate act on our part every day to tell God how much we appreciate Him and His goodness. David said in the beginning of verse number 5, The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. His faithfulness to all generations. He was faithful to David, when David was unfaithful to him. The Bible tells us that God loved David. God was a man after, uh, David was a man after God's own heart. But yet David was unfaithful to God. But God was never unfaithful to David. After David, after, um, after the kingdom that he had established, the nation of Israel would be unfaithful to God over and over and over. 
yet God would constantly pull them back and restore them, bring them back from captivity, reestablish their temple, build walls around their city to protect them, over and over and over because of His faithfulness to them. Today, generations removed from David, we can still be a very unfaithful and ungrateful people, but God is never unfaithful to us. He's always faithful to us. And we should constantly be aware of the fact that we owe Him a debt of gratitude and that we should every day take the opportunity to thank Him for His goodness. We ought to go quickly, quickly to the place to, to where the saints gather, quickly to come here on Sunday mornings and to be intentional in our worship of Him and to worship Him in spirit and to worship Him in truth. We ought to come together and publicly thank Him. And it's so important that David repeats it twice in this psalm that we ought to come together and thank Him and praise Him. What do you have this morning to be thankful for? What is it in your life that you need to express a, a gratitude for? This coming weeks, we will speak a lot about Jesus and His sacrifice for us. We'll talk a lot about how, how well He knew, how well He knew that He was so close to fulfilling the purpose of which He was born for, and how He, in every step that He was taking, in those last days of His life, He was looking toward a cross at Calvary. And He was knowing in every moment of those days, He was knowing that He was about to suffer and die for the sins of everyone who ever was born on this earth. It was deep in His mind and deep in His soul every moment. And as we approach that time where we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I wanted it to be fresh on our minds, the debt that we owe Him, the debt of gratitude that we owe Him. Nothing we do would ever be enough, but every day we ought to be intentional in thanking Him for what He's done. Thanking Him for grace. Thanking Him for His sacrifice for us on a cross at Calvary. And that He was raised three days later and that now He sits at the right hand of God the Father waiting for us to respond and to say, Jesus, I need You. I can't do this life without You. I need You. And as we have done that, to live every day past that, being grateful and showing gratitude and serving each other with that gratitude and loving each other the way that He loved us. I'm going to ask Micah to come and lead us in a time of invitation. 
And as we stand, I want us to think, as we move toward Easter, I want us to think with grateful hearts about our Savior and about what He did for us and about what He's still doing for us this morning. I want us to think about life with Jesus and how we wouldn't want to live it any other way. And I want us to give Him praise this morning. Maybe you will praise Him with your voices as we sing. Maybe you want to praise Him in the altars here as we have this time of invitation. However you want to use this time, just use it wisely. But maybe this morning there's someone here who's never begun that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'd like to know how to have life eternal with Him. I'm going to ask Seth and Donna to be here with me this morning. I'm asking them to bring their scripture. And this morning, if you have a need of knowing Jesus, we'll take those scriptures and we'll show you how to know Him. And have life eternal. And the greatest joy and peace that you could ever have and a life of gratitude and thankfulness for it. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to follow Jesus in believer's baptism or you need to become a part of this fellowship through membership. Whatever it is, we're here this morning and God is waiting for your decision. Would you pray? Father, thank you for this time. I pray that we'd use it wisely. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this sanctuary and prompt us to follow you. I ask it in Jesus' name.